so these beautiful heart qualities, yeah, that sense of actually having them suffusing, present, expansive, yeah. And they, they're all needed. Metta, karuna, no, love and compassion. We get a lot of encouragement for within the within the broader frame of things, equanimity. But this quality of mudita, joy, quality of capacity to really resonate with goodness needs to be there as well. And I think about you know, what it means, what it means to have a heart that is capable of resonating with that. And throughout the teaching, there are there these places where you get a sense of the importance of these, these kind of rising energies, these really um, buoyant heart states is needed. You know, it's there in the, in the factors of a mind deepening into samadhi, you know, the sense of pity, the kind of rising delight. It's there in the enlightenment factors as one of the essential qualities for a mind that's capable of waking up. But how good at it are we? Yeah. How do we understand it? This, this energy that is capable of delight, that has thankfulness as part of it, yeah. appreciation. This medicine for arati, for kind of dryness, grayness, kind of flatness. So to me, it's an ongoing inquiry. You know, I mentioned before, I, I have my um, father down the road, yeah? yeah, half an hour down the road. And I was down there not so long ago. I tried to go down there and spend time there you know, really consistently. Yeah? And I was down there and there's some other family there. And someone casually said something about something being fun and my dad, who used to be really quiet, said, I object to the use of that word in that way. Well, oh, um, all right. So it became an inquiry into fun. Yeah? You know, what was the way that was wrong about how it was being used? So then they said to me, oh, no, what do you think fun is? Now, before I'd gone down, I'd been up on the ladder cleaning out the gutters. Yeah. I got late with all of those kind of autumn jobs because we'd been away. And so I said, oh, cleaning the gutters, yeah. And I, and I was just remembering that sense of relief that comes when something that needs doing is done, um, kind of satisfaction that can come, and there's some kind of elemental ease of being there with the kind of slippery cold leaves and the out in the air, even though it's winter air and cold. Yeah. And they all objected. That could not be my example of fun. So it went into this whole exploration. What was allowable, according to my dad, to be fun? And in the end, the discussion came to the place of talking about an experience he'd had really in the autumn where he'd gone with one of my sisters to the East Coast 
and been in the waves and the water. He said, even though he's now really unsteady, you know, he's got, got a bit older, that just the playing in the waves, that was fun. Yeah, We could all agree you know, that sense of being picked up in the, in the sea, you know, not if the waves are too drastic, but in, in kind of manageable waves, the sense of fun has, has joy and playfulness in it. It has, it's not work in the sense that it has no agenda. It's not trying to get anything. It's just this availability for delight and play. And you know, I went home after, hmm, all right, what's my capacity for that? And there are certainly, in the same way, I find water, you know, being in the water, being in the water, Rotorua has that element with a kind of uplift in it it's not it's not heavy yeah you know just that sense of where are we drinking in this quality that has lightness in it and where are we attuning to what is really beautiful and strong and capable of meeting us in you know a different way of considering it and in working therapeutically with people the you know, the work is between a pair of you to meet what is afflictive as part of what happens you but if you're just meeting that if if that's where the mind is adhering it doesn't work because in this process, there's also got, in that same moment, there's also got to be an appreciation of strength and capacity for both people. We have to hold things in kind of balance. If I look at somebody and there may be things that are very difficult happening, but there are also tremendous strengths happening. Yeah? And it's the same here too, that I can feel the things that for oh, compassion is needed for. And then there are things that I can look at and allow joy, appreciation for. You know, sometimes even that I'm here, you know, opening, this is a tremendous strength. And listen to in terms of Dhamma practice, it's really beautiful qualities, our capacity to stay willing to meet things. Yeah. But this joy, yeah, having it as a cultivation, as a, as a part of things coming into balance. And I, I don't know about you, but, you know, the whole kind of middle way has always been really tricky, this balance between the, the kind of restraint and the not getting into being too austere, too relaxed, yeah. coming into, into this middle ground and you know, different times in my practice of only someone would paint a line on the ground. So I'd know I was actually practicing in a what right way, suitable, yeah. I wasn't sleeping too much, but I wasn't being harsh and un, 
unresponsive to the body's needs. These different ways we're having to negotiate with the Middle East. Yeah? Think, oh, if only there was a line. But of course there's not because the Dhamma practice is this ongoing inquiry about where is the place of balance? Where is the place of harmony and truth? Yeah? It's not a spot somebody can point to. It feels more like being on a rolling ball where you just have to stay attuned and in balance. It's got more aliveness in it. So really feeling for ourselves, where is this, this balance? As we're sitting, when do we need to actually attune to this quality? And if we think of these, these heart inflections as medicines, when is this quality of being able to drink in joy and goodness needed? So that, so that the, whole, the whole being, the whole energetic, the titter can stay upright. And my experience is that if you've got a kind of bit of a mind like this you have to you have to train yourself in a funny way to be capable of joy to let what is beautiful in yeah. now you will all be in different places with this so for some of you it may not feel like the medicine that is needed but for many of us it is so that when the tui sings outside i can let the loveliness of that just passed through the chitta. Yeah. It's not that I have to hold it on because I can't, but that I can feel the beauty of the world, natural world, particularly around me, and get, let that give me strength. Mm -hmm. I suddenly realized it's a very funny thing for me to say because Years back when I was in Thailand practicing, before I went to England or India or anywhere, um, I was in this real state in a way, really hardly sleeping, just going health of leather with the practice yet. And I went to the monk who was then senior where I was staying and I said, you know, he was asking me something and he said to me, you need to hear the birds singing. And I kind of went, hmm, they're impermanent, you know, what earth are you talking about? And then had to reflect on it, yeah. That the mind had actually got caught in a kind of view of the practice and wasn't, wasn't really receptive to what was here. And throughout the suttas, you get this, recognition of an appreciation for what is beautiful and alive. Mahakasapa, how these rocks delight me. You know, you know, the beauty of the the plants around, the sound of the waterfall, how these delight me. So we don't want to take a position against this quality. And how to actually get so the heart is capable of it. 
because in meditation, as you know, when this, this, the pity, the feelings, the uprising energy happen, if we're not familiar with them, they can just throw us out of the meditation. Yeah. If they're not integrated, if we don't understand them. So we practice them within the beauty of, of quiet mind. And we practice them in the beauty of the world around us. So we really have this capacity. To really, we can, re we can receive all of it. We can, our hearts can tremble with the suffering of beings here, the suffering of the planet, you know, the rivers, you know, particularly the ocean. You know, yeah. All these ways there can be affliction, but we can also tremble with the beauty of sunlight falling on the ground, a patch of sky. So that we're not toppled over. We we really, you know, we're fully capable. So so you know, I guess just an encouragement to, to really review and say, well, hmm, is this a quality I'm allowing to be cultivated? To really blossom and be part of my felt experience. Not a kind of giddy, giddy joy, but a really grounded, embodied appreciation. So for myself, when I'm practicing this quality of mudita, the sense of really being able to receive goodness of, of all kinds of shapes and colors, to be really present for it. And the easiest access for me to it is through this quality of thankfulness. Yeah. These last days, people have actually fed me. Elizabeth, who I'm here with, got me a meal today. And she wasn't here. I went out to the kitchen on two days and someone had put a meal into the house. One of my sisters, yeah. And you know, wow, all around there are these gestures of, of support to be thankful for. Some of them are as intimate as that, someone preparing us food and some aren't quite so close. You know, at times we get more direct um, contact with these people directly, you know, helping this being. And other times, as I was saying the other day, we can receive it simply through the food that comes, even if I prepare it myself. But the, the food has come from all over the planet. Or I sit in this room and, you know, I won't start reeling off all the beings that make it possible for me to be here yeah. through different kinds of acts of goodness. Yeah. And it's the same with yourselves. So 
in times where it feels gray or hard or it's hard to feel really connected my encouragement is that we cultivate this quality it's the medicine for arati for grayness for kind of tiredness a kind of lack of connectedness and that as we've been saying right in the title of the retreat that we really let breath have this recognize in fact the imprint of the breath has with love and connection with life itself so wherever you are when you know you attune and feel the breath happening you feel your place in the order of things it's a it's a message it's a constant message that can bring joy whatever anybody is saying whatever is going on the truth is when breath comes and touches us it fills us with life life love connection so to stay connected with us because all kinds of messages can be coming down the wire can't they from outside yeah and particularly as we engage with the world you say hmm but let me come back to the fundamentals you stay really upright and attuned let me feel attuned to the tui drinking nectar outside to the wind passing through the trees yeah. to this heart that wants to be kind and generous let me really drink these things in so that i really stay capable and i'm i really feel my birthright as a waking up being this, this movement everything has to come out of affliction yeah. some of you can see just out this window here yeah little birds cats the kinds of creatures have been going past evidently and one of them's been a little guinea fowl or big guinea fowl, a kind of odd bird to have at this place because they're not native or anything, but it turned up. And really watching this being who we thought had been killed and then miraculously reappeared, it, it's just its search for comfort and ease and freedom from any kind of distress. Yeah. One day I was here in a huge rainstorm and this little bird was all hunched up and wet. And I put a little shelter up on its chair and just go went and nestled underneath it here. Yeah. yeah, even a guinea fowl who's got the smallest head on a bird you could imagine 
instinctively goes to places of ease. And even a guinea fowl who turns up here from being really wild when it is, when it starts to understand it's safe, it calms down. And the steer guinea fowl, every cat in the whole radius, and there might be about 15 of them, watches it when it goes everywhere. It seems to have the whole neighborhood fascinated. But it's safe. Some maybe because it's bigger than them all. Yeah. yeah. Wow, just this, this bird yeah, who moves to what brings it well-being. Yeah. Let me be the same. Yeah. Let me be able to relax into safety and recognize it. Yeah. Let me take this, this being out of any kind of danger or any kind of un, unhelpful conditions and take shelter. Yeah. And we, so we can look at the world around us and it just can keep us encouraged. Yeah. Not, not to make more of this awareness of the bird, but yeah, I don't know what it's thinking, but I can see what it's doing. So it becomes for me just a reminder. And when it looked like it had died, it was one of our practice nights and uh, some of the sisters who come here to practice came in and they were really distressed because they'd found a dead bird on the road, but it was a different kind of bird. And so they'd carefully taken it off the road, put it in something, put it out by our rocks and said to me, and everyone was kind of a tremble. And I thought, now this bird's been here for quite a long time, particularly for the gardener whose things it's all ripping up. And, but everyone has grown to love it. It's funny what our hearts are like, isn't it? This, this tenderness we have for beings. Yeah. And to really let that tenderness and appreciation also be for the, you know, our own being, our own awakening consciousness. So we really take care. You know, the sisters, they... They took care of the being and they really wanted to take care of, you know, those of us that live here, yeah, so that we hadn't come across this bird, kind of what they thought had been got by a cat. Well, there was so much care and so much love. And then the next morning I went out and there was the bird again. Kind of miracles are everywhere. And just that, for me, I just sat and I thought, oh, they've been so kind. And so we take in the kindness people show us. So we come out of a sense of alienation. And there are 
So many gestures of kindness, aren't there? Personal, impersonal, that mean we can each be here. And to, to let them bring joy and gladness to the heart. So that we have the capacity yeah, to cultivate the other Brahma Vihar, Metta, Karuna, or Pekka. We can't leave Mudita out. So maybe that's enough, but just an encouragement to really reflect on joy. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.